life of, of meaninglessness, of spiritual death, and you gave us life just as your son Jesus rose from the dead. You want to raise us up to live a life that really matters for all of eternity. And so, God, today we worship you. We praise you. And, God, we want you to speak to us and work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, this summer we are going through a study of the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, today we come to chapters 12 and 13. Now, going through a whole book, we obviously are going to kind of hit on the big points, so the high points, and not all the details. Uh, so today, I hope that uh, God will just impress upon you these great, great truths to us. A few years ago, uh, uh, I, visited, I went to visit someone. Uh, the wife had come to church, but uh, the husband had not, didn't know him, met him. But anyway, uh, the wife invited me in, so I came in, sat down. We started talking, where you're from, nice weather, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then I, some, I don't remember what, but I mentioned something about God. And uh, the man of the house uh, was sitting right by the end table, and he opened up the drawer of the end table, and he took out a gun and put it right there on the end table and said, we don't talk about God in this house. Well, I figured those were house rules, so I obeyed them. Uh, but uh, it brings up an interesting point that uh, many Americans uh, think that God is a private matter, that our relationship with God is private. Now, it's not. Now, it's very personal, but it's not private if you're a Christian. <laughs> you see, there's no such thing as a secret Christian. Somebody always said, you know, either the Christian will kill the secret or the secret will kill the Christian. I mean, if this is real to us, it, 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 we're going to talk about it. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. There's no such thing as a churchless Christian either. I've heard a lot of people say, well, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but, you know, church, that doesn't mean a thing to me, and I don't belong, I don't work, I don't, no, nothing to do with it. Friend, God's very clear that when we accept Jesus, God puts us in the church. It, it's the body of Christ. He unites us with other believers. And so today, we're going to see some of these big principles, and the first one is to keep us united. God unites us, but we don't always stay that way. To keep us united, God gives to every Christian what we call spiritual gifts. We find those mentioned, or the subject uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read starting in verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, <laughs> see, we are united. We're put in the family of God, the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, Regarding your question about the special abilities, spiritual gifts, the Spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along and worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service or serving in the body of Christ. But we serve the same Lord. 
God works in different ways. But it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And here's the big principle in verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. God gives a spiritual gift, or gifts, I think he gives usually two, three, whatever. God gives spiritual gifts to every Christian, this verse clearly says. Now, for what purpose? Verse 5 answers that, to serve the Lord. We have a spiritual gift to serve the Lord. Verse 7 gives the second half of that, to serve each other, to help each other. Why does God give us spiritual gifts so we'll serve the Lord and each other? Friend, spiritual gifts, they are our God-given tools to build up the body of Christ. They're tools to serve Christ. They're tools for us to serve each other. They are not toys to show off. When Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, what did he say? You don't know the great commandment? Oh, oh yes, you do. Okay. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and what? And love others. That's the greatest thing. The greatest commandment. And, and friend, if you love the Lord, are you going to serve him? Well, of course. If you love others, if you truly love others, are you going to serve them? Yes. God expects us to serve him and others. That's why he gave us the spiritual gifts to do it. it to be physically and spiritually healthy, of course, you need healthy relationships. A person's not healthy if they shut themselves off from other people. You won't have healthy spiritual relationships if you don't serve them with the spiritual gift that God gave you. But when you do, when you serve Christ and others, then you build those relationships that bring joy and peace and meaning to our lives. God gives us great relationships when we use our spiritual gifts that we have to serve Christ and to serve others. And the question this morning is, are you using the spiritual gifts God gave you? Are you serving Christ? Are you serving the Lord? Are you serving the body of Christ? That's healthy for us. Not serving is unhealthy. Again, we're going to talk about big principles, not details. And the first issue, the first big principle is what spiritual gifts does God give to the body of Christ? Now, I'm not going to go into detail about these, all the spiritual gifts, but we, again, we want to hit on the big principles. So what kinds of gifts does he give to us, starting at verse 8? To one peer, uh, person, the Holy Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the Holy Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the Spirit gives the gifts of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, to another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is the given, given the ability to speak in unknown languages 
while another's given the ability to interpret what is being said. Now, I highlight them here because there are nine gifts here that are mentioned here. Paul lists these nine spiritual gifts. Now, those aren't all the spiritual gifts, all right? Uh, uh, most uh, Bible uh, scholars agree that 19 uh, of them are specifically identified in the New Testament. And most of them would say, but there can be more. But anyway, 19 are listed. So why here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 does Paul list these nine? Okay, And verse 1 tells us the answer, and we've talked about that this summer, that the Corinthians had written Paul a letter asking him questions. The book of 1 Corinthians are the answers. They had asked him about specifically these nine gifts. All right? Why? Because these were the nine gifts they were divided over, that they were fighting about. And, and I just want us to catch the irony of that. That God gives us, he gives Christians, God gave the Corinthians Christians, he gives us spiritual gifts to do what? To unite us. And the tragedy is that spirit, the theme and the topic and the details of spiritual gifts often divide us. The Corinthian Christians were fighting about them. So do American Christians, don't they? Uh, Donna accepted the Lord when she was about nine years old. And uh, when she was 12, her church started fighting over spiritual gifts. Her parents were new Christians. They were blown away. They had no idea that Christians, how cruel Christians could be to each other, how divisive they could be. They stopped going for about 15 years. I praise God that Donna's uncle kept taking her. And despite all the ugliness that Donna saw in adult Christians, she kept loving Jesus in his church. Christian, God gave us spiritual gifts to unite us. True Christians don't fight over spiritual gifts. They use them. They exercise them in the body of Christ to bring people to Christ. Spiritual gifts, they're God-given tools to build up the church. They're not toys to show off. They're tools that God gives us to serve the Lord and each other. Let's go on to verse 11. There's another principle here, and this is a good one. The Holy Spirit distributes the gifts according to God's design of us and his plan for our church. Verse 11, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all those spiritual gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. That's important because in your Christian life, you're going to see somebody else exercising a spiritual gift, and you're going to say, boy, I sure wish I had that. Or that's the one I want. Friend, God wouldn't give it to you because it wouldn't be the best thing for you. We don't decide what gifts we receive. God does. And he gives the one he designed us for. 
Here's another big principle. Okay, verse 12. The church is the body of Christ. We're the body parts. Verse 12, the human body has many parts. He's going to use an analogy. He's going to say the church is kind of like a human body, all right? Human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. That's the way it was in the Corinthian church. Some of us are slaves, Paul says. Some of us are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. They were different, weren't they? Came from different backgrounds, different roles and stations in life and so forth. And we're different too, okay? We all, we're just as different as the Corinthians, right? Some of us are race fans. Some of us are Red Sox fans. I don't know how you can be a Christian and a Red Sox fan, but I, I think you can't. I mean, I, so, some of us, you know, we were raised in Christian. Some of us have been good Christians our whole lives, right? Some of us have been hell raisers. Let's just be honest about it, okay? But the second we give our lives to Jesus, what happens? Does God then rank us, you know? Okay, now we've got a pecking order? No. We are all baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. God baptizes us by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Now, and here again is the irony and the tragedy. The, the, the term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that Christians debate that. And divide now see it's okay to have differences of opinion exactly what that means it's okay to have differences of opinion it's not okay to divide it's not okay to fight it's not okay to judge it's not okay to judge another person as less spiritual than you because they may have a different term or a different use of that now there's one thing that is it's certain from these verses. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. God gives us that. God gives us His Holy Spirit to unite us. We can disagree over some minor details, but we can't divide. Because God gave every Christian gifts of the Holy Spirit for our unity. We must never forget that. The second reason God gives every Christian the Holy Spirit and our spiritual gifts is for our diversity. We have unity, but not uniformity. <laughs> we are never going to be all alike, all right? God designed us to be different, and spiritual gifts are a big part of that. Verse 14, yes. The human body has many parts, not just one part. Now, if your foot said, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. I've always wanted to be a hand, but I'm not. And here I am, you know, nobody shakes feet. You know, they shake hands. Well, I wish I was a hand, but I'm not. So I'm not going to be a part of the body anymore. Do you see what he's saying? Verse 16, if the ear... If your ear said, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye. 
You know, we talk about people looking people in the eye. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm going to look at you in the ear? No, I can understand why ears get a little upset at that. Would that make it less part of the body? No. If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God made it that way. He's put each part just where He wants it. How, a stra- how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand, the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. Friend, you need the body of Christ. There are many people who say, I don't need the church. Well, you'll have to take that up with God. He designed you to need the body of Christ. You need the body of Christ, and the body of Christ needs you. You have spiritual gifts and abilities and enablings that nobody else has. Verse 22. In fact, some of the parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as, regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffers with it. If one part's honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You need the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs you. Years ago, the Chicago Tribune carried a story. Two students were graduating from the Chicago-Kent College of Law. The highest-ranking student in the class was a man named Thomas Wharton. When he was being presented with his honor, he insisted that half the credit for his achievement should go to his friend, Stanley Kasperzak. Stanley and Thomas had met one another in law school when Stanley, who had no arms, had guided Thomas, who had no sight, down a flight of stairs. And from that day on, blind Thomas carried the books. Armless Stan gave the directions. When they studied together, Stan would read. Tom would turn the pages. They used their gifts to serve each other, to do together what they could not do alone. Perfect illustration of the body of Christ. You need the body of Christ because they're members of the body who have gifts you don't. The body of Christ needs you because you have gifts others do not. Verses 28 to 30 give us another principle. No one Christian receives all 
the spiritual gifts. Verse 28. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gifts of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Now, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gifts of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. The answer to all those questions is no. And the principle then is no one Christian receives all the spiritual gifts. And the corollary to that is no one spiritual gift is given to all Christians. No Christian gets all the spiritual gifts and no one gift is given to all Christians. It's the evidence that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The evidence that we're filled with the Holy Spirit is not the gifts of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control. And those are the qualities of Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit of Jesus is filling us, then we're going to have those qualities too. That's the evidence that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, becoming more and more like Jesus. The evidence that we're filled with the Holy Spirit is not that we appear to worship fervently, but that we witness faithfully. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit fills you, you will be my witnesses. The evidence that we're filled, fruit of the Spirit, a life of sharing Christ with others. Now, I said earlier that in the Bible, and we need to move on quickly, there are 19 gifts uh, that are listed, and I have a little diagram up there. You can see all of them. Again, we can't get into details. I don't want to define all those 19 because that would take a while. 13 of those gifts are really focused on in 1 Corinthians. Okay, But those, the, those aren't the only 13. Again, why did he focus on those 13? Because these are the ones that they asked him about. These are the ones that you know, they were, had these questions and conflicts over. Now, in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 is, are lists of these gifts, and they give six other ones that are just so important. The gift of helps or service, hospitality, welcoming people, giving, leading, mercy, faith. I'm going to say that these six gifts, in some ways, are the most important gifts of all. And here's what I mean. The 13 that Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians were sources of conflict with the, the, the body there. Okay, so he highlights those. But these six gifts, <laughs> these six gifts are the ones that God gives to most Christians. In fact, you may have one of those 13 that he mentioned, but you probably got one or two of these six too. Because these are the gifts that God most often gives to most Christians. And a lot of times these gifts are the ones that are unseen. 
If you're serving, you usually do it behind the scenes and no one sees it. They're often unseen. And just like Paul says, just like you have unseen body parts, well, you know, really, in many ways, those are the most important ones. You don't see a person's brain, do you? You don't see their heart, okay? And see, you can live without a hand. You can live without a foot, but you can't live without a brain. You can't live without a heart. At, Donna, at times, Donna has thought that I didn't have a brain or a heart. For sure, okay? I do. I, I don't always use them, but I have them, or I wouldn't be alive. God gives every Christian spiritual gifts to use to serve others. And so much of the time, it will be behind the scenes. But God will be using that in just a great way. God gives every Christian spiritual gifts for our unity, for our diversity, and this may be the most important of all, for our maturity. He finishes up chapter 12 in verse 31 saying this, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gift. You should want the one that God has for you because the one that God designed you for is the one that you're going to bring the most help in the body of Christ. You're going to do the most amazing things that you possibly could. Desire those, those gifts. But now, Paul says, I need to show you a way of life that's best of all with regard to using your spiritual gifts. And he goes into chapter 13, which is the what chapter of the Bible? The love chapter of the Bible. Verse 1. Paul says, If I could speak every unknown language on earth, if I could speak the languages of heaven, the languages of angels. But if I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Jonathan Swift, uh, who is the author of Gulliver's Travels, said this, very interesting. We have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. Friend, we all have God-given spiritual gifts. You may not be using it. And as a result, you may not know what it is, but you've got them. And the only way to find out is to start using them, to start serving, you'll find out. We all have God-given spiritual gifts. And most of us exercise them. But if we don't exercise them in love, what happens? They become divisive. They become destructive. They become deadly in the body of Christ. There are three main passages about spiritual gifts in the New Testament. All three of them, the focus is they have to be exercised in love. Because if they're not, they'll destroy you. God gives every Christian spiritual gifts for our maturity. <laughs> For us to become more like Christ. What's a mature Christian? You know, a lot of people think, well, a mature Christian is somebody who's been a Christian for a long time. No. 
<laughs> Listen, living a long time doesn't make you more mature, does it? A mature Christian is not one who's been a Christian for a long time. It's not one who knows the most about the Bible. There's no Bible knowledge test as an entrance exam for heaven. A mature Christian is not one with the greatest, most sensational spiritual gifts. A mature Christian is one who loves God. And that love is growing. A mature Christian is one who, with a, a growing love for God, a growing love for God's people, you, you ask God, God, I want to love my brothers and sisters more and more and more. Because we're different. And we rub and we have difference of opinions and conflicts. I want to love them more. A love for God, a love for God's people, and friend, a love for lost people. If we're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, we're going to care about lost people because that's why he came to earth. And that's why he died on the cross. And if we want to know we're filled with the Holy Spirit and exercising the love of God in our lives, we'll care about lost people and we'll want to see them come to Jesus. So here, in, as he moves into chapter 13, we find that without love, spiritual gifts are nothing. Verse 2, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understand all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such a faith I could move mountains. But with all that, if I didn't love others, it'd be worth nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't do it out of love, I would have gained nothing. See, all our spiritual gifts, they're useless without love. And so in verses 4 to 6, he gives the evidences that we really do love others. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice when your enemy gets what they deserve. It rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up on people. Love never loses faith in God. Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. In verse 8, he again goes back to these three gifts, the, the three gifts that the Corinthians regarded as the greatest uh, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge. What's he say? Those three gifts, prophecy, and speaking in unknown languages, and special knowledge, one day, you know, they won't be around anymore. They won't be needed. They'll be useless. But love, that's what lasts forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture of God. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Friend, God gives us spiritual gifts to serve the Lord, to serve each other. God gives us spiritual gifts to exercise our love for him and to exercise our love for others and our love for the lost. God wants us to become more and more like Jesus and be spiritually mature. That's why he says in closing this, the love chapter, he talks about maturity. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child does. 
But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in the mirror. But then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I'll know everything completely just as God knows me completely. All these things, and especially faith, hope, and love. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, love, and the greatest of these is love. Exercising our spiritual gifts, it has to flow out of a heart for loving God being willing to love others, loving people who need the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want some of your body parts to stop working? Of course not. You'll get sick. You'll get die. You'll die. Does Christ want some of his body parts not working? Of course not. And friend, I just want to say to you, the body of Christ here at Alliance, we need you. We need you serving in a ministry. We need children's workers. We think a wonderful way to reach people for Christ is children's ministries because most people accept the Lord as a child or a teen. We need children's workers. We need people to stand out there and make a first-time guest believe that we're glad they came. We need people to do yard work. We need people to fix things. We need people to clean the kitchen or vacuum classrooms or hallways. We need people, we need more people to hold babies <laughs> so their mom can come to church. We need people to wash windows. We need people to run the computer for our services. We're really excited. Elders and governing board have been working. We're going to start some new ministries. We're going to start some new outreaches to our neighborhood. We need uh, people this fall to serve in an exciting ministry called Uncommon Kids. We're going to partner with Lakeview Elementary, and we're going to have some activities that, that parents and their kids can come to on a Saturday. Dean and Joey DeBerke are kind of heading this up here, and you need to talk to them because we're going to need some workers. And friend, if you're not exercising your spiritual gift, I mean, this is one way. Maybe this is for you. We're going to start another ministry, Mentors. We're going to work through a a program, uh, what's it called, Donna? Hope Kids. Kids, Kids Hope, okay. Uh, Just someone, an adult, who's willing to go meet with a child uh, one afternoon a week after school and just be a mentor just listen just show them that you care and if you're interested in that uh, talk to Donna about that uh, our iron men there going to reach out into Lake Sarasota we've met with the homeowners association and we have a good relationship with them and we let them meet in our church for their um, meetings and 
Kevin Murphy contacted them and the Ironman. They're going to do some projects with some needy people, maybe, you know, widow or single mom or something, just need some help, some hands-on help in that way. Do you have a ministry here at Elias? Are you using the spiritual gifts that God gave you to serve the Lord, serve each other, serve the lost? If, if you aren't serving right now, uh, maybe you don't know. You, know. you probably don't know where you want to serve or what you could do. Or if you're not serving, please, please, Step four. In fact, if you're not serving, take out your smartphone right now and stop playing that game that you're on and, and email me. Email me at rhires, rhires at sarasotalliance.org. We'll help you. We want to help people get involved. Our job as pastors is to equip the body of Christ to do the work of ministry God designed them for and gave them spiritual gifts for. We want help. We have about half of our people that serve. If you're in the other half, <laughs> don't miss out on what God equipped you for, what God designed you for, what God is calling you for. If you don't have a smartphone, take an offering envelope. You don't even have to put an offering in it today. Just write on there, Ron, spiritual gift. Put it in those wooden boxes or get, hand it to me or take it to the office or whatever. We want to help. I want to help you experience what God's planned for you, what is so exciting. Because, Christian, you don't want to get to heaven and find out that you didn't use what God, what you didn't do what God gifted you to do. You don't want to be disappointed like that. You don't want to get to heaven and, and find out that what your church needed you to do, you didn't do, so we weren't able to do it. God gives us those gifts to serve the Lord, to serve each other, to serve our community. So the question here today, two questions. What's my spiritual gift? Most of you know. You just know what you're inclined to do. You know what God has enabled you to do. If you don't know, there's only one way to find out. Start serving. Start serving. You'll find out. Is this ministry for me? Isn't it for me? What are you interested in? What natural abilities and talents do you have? What's my spiritual gift? You need to know that. It's like going through life not knowing what your strengths are. What's my spiritual gift? Why did God design me like I am? And the second one, am I using it? Or am I just content just to come and sit and soak in more knowledge? Or am I going to serve because I love the Lord, because I want to be used by Him? Am I using the gifts that God gave me to build up this body of Christ with people who need to come to know Him? Let's pray. Father, God, thank You for loving us so much. Loving us so much, You would, Lord, give us these gifts that make that have eternal significance. God, please help us to see way beyond ourselves to who you are and what you have for us and what eternity is going to be like presenting our service to the Lord.
and hearing him say, well done. Oh, God. We don't want to be like the Corinthians. We don't don't want to divide over our differences of opinion. God, we want to unite as the body of Christ to do the work of Christ here in our community. Oh, God, come upon every one of us because you gave every one of us spiritual gifts. God, help us to use them for your glory, for building up your kingdom, for bringing people to Christ. God, do that in each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please?